Welcome to the Rock is George podcast. I'm your host, George Dion, and this is episode 131. Thank you for tuning in. Be sure to click, like, follow, or subscribe on the platform you're listening to us on. You can also check out my work at the loudest.com on the planet, knac.com, for exclusive interviews, live show coverage, and more. My guests for this episode are guitarist Michael Thompson, vocalist Moon Calhoun, and bassist Tom Cruciere of the Michael Thompson Band. The Michael Thompson Band recently released The Love Goes On through Frontiers Music. It's sort of a reunion for Michael and Moon, Moon appearing on the Michael Thompson Band's 1989 star-studded affair, How Long? I was a little unprepared for this interview in the sense that I thought I was just interviewing Michael Thompson, but he brought along Moon and Tom, and I was a bit unfamiliar with their backgrounds. Uh, They touch upon that a little bit in the interview, but I just wanted to point out kind of where they came from and their music lineage. Moon Calhoun's not just a vocalist, he's also a drummer. He was a he played for several bands in the 1970s up to the 80s. He played in the Gap Band, he played for Leon Russell, uh, he played with Brett Walker, in addition to being a drummer and a vocalist. He's a prolific songwriter. Not just writing with Tom Cruciere for the Michael Thompson Band, but he's also written for Jeff Paris, Lita Ford, Y&T, and many others. Tom Cruciere is not only the brother of rat bassist Juan Cruciere, he is also a prolific songwriter of his own and vocalist. Tom sang vocals with Life by Night on their 1985 album of the same name. Life by Night recently reunited for the release of their 2021 album, Glass Walls, through Escape Music. I was unfamiliar with Life by Night before speaking with Tom, and I went back and listened to the catalog, and it's sort of that perfect 80s soundtrack music, sort of like Thompson Twins meets Cutting Crew meets Simple Minds. Fantastic stuff. He's also performed on albums by Air Pavilion, Vanilla Fudge, and others. And of course, he played on the Scorpions hit album, Blackout. As for guitarist Michael Thompson, he's played with a who's who of musicians that have been in the top 10 of American pop and rock and R&B throughout the 80s and 90s, including... Michael Jackson, Whitney Houston, Celine Dion, NSYNC, Tony Braxton, Phil Collins, Rod Stewart, Scorpions, Vince Neil, Christina Aguilera, Michael Bolton, Mariah Carey, Madonna. You get the picture. Together, Michael, Moon, and Tom have crafted this fantastic new album, The Love Goes On. And here they are to tell you more about it. If I knew absolutely nothing about the Michael Thompson band, how would you describe the music to me? Um, melodic rock, which is not that different than pop music. It's like pop music with rock guitars and rock drums. We're into hooks and good songs, you know, which to me, I mean, my whole whole career has been playing on, you know, other people's records and hit records and stuff. And so it's all always been about the song and about the hooks and, and uh, so that whole melodic rock genre is, to me, it's like pop music. The, the successful stuff is, because it's a hooky, good pop tune that has rock, you know, sensibility, drums and guitars, and we know what rock is. Certainly coming up in the time that you came up in, it they didn't have the term melodic rock and they didn't have the term AOR. It was just pop rock music. Right. Right, it was, and then hard rock became heavy metal, but it was all just rock. And um, you know, we grew up listening. We, we had a lot of fun making this record and the records we've made because we've gotten to use the, you know, back when we were young and impressionable teenagers. I mean, I grew up in New York, and I was going to the Fillmore East and seeing my idols play. You know. It was new and it was fresh. And I'm seeing Jeff Beck 
group with Rod Stewart, you know, on their first tour and Led Zeppelin's first tour and stuff. And that was like a really exciting time to grow up, uh, especially music wise. I mean, I wouldn't have traded that for anything. I mean, it makes me an old man now, but I, I wouldn't have traded it for anything. And I think we all had similar experiences. So when we went to make a rock record, um, I know from my own point of view, it's like sort of like a fantasy that you still had from a teenager where you wanted to be, you know, in a band that was making records, playing rock. So you got the new album. It came out on May 12th. The Love Goes On, Frontiers Music. First thing we should probably talk about is that this is this is the return of Moon Calhoun on vocals. Uh, it's been a little while since you guys worked together. So how'd you get back in the fold? Tell 35 it. years was it that um yeah, that? Well, yeah well 1988 is when that album came out yeah the first MTV. um moon and i have been friends the whole time um leading up to making the record that we released on geffen how long we had an actual band that was gigging around town we called it slang and, um, you know, we were playing in the clubs and trying to get record labels to come down, trying to get a record deal, cutting demos um, at my friend's studio. And, um, yeah, everything had eluded us. And uh, then we got this manager guy named Alan Niven, who um, became Guns N' Roses manager. And after years of trying to get a record deal, all of a sudden we had two yeah. two deals in one week he's like who's an english guy he's like well i've got atlantic and i've got geffen which one would you prefer and we're like holy shit man yeah, right. you know we've been, yeah. been trying to like figure out what you do that elusive record deal yeah. you know then all of a sudden we had two records right. but um that that wasn't your question um <laughs> so we, we made that record and you know, our lives just went the way they went. And I got really busy as a studio musician, as a session musician, which was another one of my dreams that I had that, that I'm happy to say I got to, uh, you know, I got to live it big yeah. time, you know, playing on a lot of working with a couple of really big producers and playing on a lot of hit records and stuff. And, and then like this guy, I knew this Swedish guy told me, well, there's this label called Frontiers, and the owners, guys, Serafino, really lo loved that record, the MTV record that, that you made. And so that was when I first, I think that was like 99, you know, late 90s. And um, that's when I somehow got in touch with him, and he wanted to do a reissue of the Geffen album, and then they wanted me to do, I did a couple other albums and called them MTV too with other singers. And then, you know, during COVID, um, actually the second in command guy over there, this guy Mario, um, got in touch with me and he said, hey, what would you think about reuniting with Moon and doing an MTV album with him? And the wheels got turning and, and that's what started the ball rolling. And, and then Tom came in and... I, I had written all these, you know, music tracks and they, Moon and Tom wrote lyrics and melodies to my music and the stuff started coming together really easily and really fast. And, and we were just having fun and, and a record started shaping up and it was like, wow, we can actually do this thing. So Tom and Moon, did you know each other prior to getting together for this particular album? Yes. We go back. 50 years this year. I, I came <laughs> out only here. known each other 50 yeah, years. Right. I came out here from Tulsa, Oklahoma in uh, 73 and, and got in a band with Tom. And uh, I was in a band with some buddies back in Tulsa and they they got uh, cherry picked to go play with Eric Clapton on the 461. I shot the sheriff. They went off with Eric, my homies, so I decided to come out here and met Tom, and that's where him and I started out here. So back and forth. And then I went back to Tulsa in 74 and lived at Leon Russell's house, his mansion, for a couple of years. Joined the God in the Gap band. If you know, it's an R&B band. They blew up in the late 70s, early 80s. But 
I came out here with the Gap Band, and then I got asked to join Rick Chaka Gun. And as a drummer. Right? As a drummer, yeah, as a drummer. I was a, originally a drummer. And uh, I made one record with Rufus and Chaka called Street Player and wrote a hit song with Chaka. And then uh, I started trying to focus more on singing after that. that eventually, Mike and I got together in the mid-'80s, and that's when that started to happen. But that's basically my my migration out here. So, Tom, besides being related to one, what's your story in, in music here? Um, I started writing songs early on um, passion. My passion was writing songs, melodies. Uh, I'm a singer myself. So I, in the 80s, I did some heavy metal stuff. I ended up uh, playing on the Scorpions Blackout record. And then in the States, when I came back from a couple of tours with opening up for Nazareth and Joe Perry, I decided to concentrate on my music more and um, wrote a bunch of tunes and got a deal with uh, EMI Capital with Bruce Lundvall. And we put out a record, Life by Night, and that did okay, but it didn't really break like, you know, we all want it, right? Like we're hoping this record will. <laughs> and uh, and then I, I started, you know, I was singing, doing all the singing for that record, and I continued writing and uh, continued playing bass. And then Michael uh, asked me to see to see if we could write together. And I was, I, I, how could I say no with these two musicians here, artists? Uh, and me and Moon started writing to Michael's tracks and like Michael said, they, they flowed really well. Yeah. And um, we were just having fun, like you said. And really, it just, I think the record, the songs uh, show the fact that when Moon and I were writing, I, and I was writing, you know, melodies and lyrics, whatever, all I thought was about Moon singing and his style of R&B-ish with, with rock in it, like, like he had done. And... I think that that's kind of where the magic happened, where yeah, we were absolutely. writing and the, and the... That took off. Yeah. Also, I've been in a wheelchair for 28 years. And you know that, George, right? I did not know that. Okay. Yeah, he's tell sitting him. in a wheelchair right now. I, um, yeah, tell him, guys. Uh, actually, there's a there's a bonus song on the on right. album called Wheelchair. Yeah, that... Yeah. That was included on the reissue right. of the the first. The, Michael yeah, Thompson, man, yeah. how long that that Frontiers released? Right. Um, we Moon and I and this guy Jeff Paris wrote um, wrote the song "Wheelchair." <clears throat> I get choked up when I mm -hmm. every time I hear it. Uh, we weren't going to include it on this, but the Frontiers wanted to do that because they felt like a lot of people hadn't heard the song the first time around. So, yeah, he had this fucked up bike accident, bicycle yeah. accident, a block away from his house. And going to going to the health food store. Yeah. Right. Just a, right. you know, yeah. random. Trying to get healthy. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh -huh. Thing, but it's it's turned in, it's had its silver linings and it's exactly. had its, it's had its fucked up, oh, you yeah. know, karma. Thing, yeah. Right? But it's, right. and this is a silver lining. Absolutely. Oh, what time. we have going. Big yeah. Big so time. we're very, very happy to, to, I've done this and, and we're actually, I feel fortunate to be part of this thing. Yeah, I just gonna say a lot of inspiration for me getting to be in the wheelchair and have this as an avenue to get my, for all my stuff. I, I had a wife uh, that I had been with uh, from 81 on and June got cancer and died. There's a song called uh, yeah. Forever June on the record, right. which is amplifies tribute to my wife which yeah. is nice so you know uh, just my suffering is it's really great to be able to have this as a uh, an, an outlet and i think to that and i, I think lyrically and i think lyrically uh that inspired us correct. a lot yeah I mean, that's and what i wanted to say that really helped us yeah it, it was an avenue for, for you yeah. to really has been yeah well it's 
it, it kind of, you know, listening to your story here, it kind of puts a lot of these songs into perspective for me. I've listened to the album a couple of times and, you know, just the title of the album, The Love Goes On, you guys had these tragic events in your life that you wrote about, but also yeah. I think you got this message of the love still being strong, either your camaraderie with each other right. or, you know, you with your your late wife and just kind of right. love keeps going. It keeps you going. Yeah. Am, am I on to something here? Yes, absolutely. The spirit, the spirit of hope and everything through all of that is a great, I think, thread that bought yeah. this record. And my friends, without said, really yeah, plan, well, without really planning, like, right. Hey, this is going to be called the love goes yeah. on. Let's think everything. Yeah. No, it is sort of like, <clears throat> I was so encouraged after the first, batch of tunes that they wrote to my music that I got on a roll and I wrote like four new songs right. and Here for the song The Love Goes On I knew I wanted to call it that Yeah, because way back in the first band right. that we had slang yeah. we had a song called Love Goes On oh that's right that, yeah. that was nothing like this right. song totally different music and um, the, uh, the last album was called Love and Beyond Right, love thing. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. So I thought, okay, love it beyond one right. album. The next album, the love goes on. You know, just trying to promote that feeling. You know, did you guys get a chance to kind of work on this album together? Did you do everything remotely, like most bands have been doing lately? You know what? The, the important part to me, we did together, which was Moon's vocals. Yeah, and and going over the phrasing and the lyrics and how they sat in the tunes i i created the the right music on. tracks right by my me myself and mm -hmm. i in my studio which i'm used to doing it like that i mean these days uh i mean i had 35 years of running around all the studios in hollywood and around the world actually but um yeah uh, you know i i like it's our you know our studios are our laboratories and and I like sitting there and coming up with something and working on it till it sounds like something to me. And then I get it to them like, hey, does this yeah. inspire you guys? And it did. But, but then we came to Moon Studio and really put in a lot of hours, like getting the, because Tom and Moon wrote the, the scratch vocal lyric melody and sent it to me. And I loved everything they did. But that, there was a lot of tweaking we did with them. Um, Together. Which I think a lot of people do uh, that are making records. It's just like once you have that part of the tune up, the phrase, you have all your focus is on how can we make this the most effective. Right. The core. Anyway, um, that's yeah. But an interesting story was was Michael was talking about the love goes on that um, we had that track going and we were trying, and then he came up with the title. Let's. What about the love goes on? And I remember working on that because we do all have studios and like in my studio, I did the basses there and, and some of the scratch vocals that I brought to Moon and we worked on that. And that song, uh, I think magically um, came about and, yeah. and, um, and it just flowed really nicely. So you probably haven't seen our video the lyric video, I saw that. No, no, our video we, we made, made a video, <laughs> and without slamming anyone yeah, or getting right. on the wrong side of anything, right, right, right. yeah, we uh, we had gotten the okay to to make a video, which which I did on the last album for Frontiers, and they just put it on their site, and it was fine, you know. Yeah, and uh, so we did the same thing with the love goes on, and. My daughter-in-law is a videographer. We made it with her, and Tom really helped. And and um, my son is 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 in it, and he really helped and stuff. And we really liked his son is a well, drummer. Well, you can see it. It's it's on YouTube. We 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 put it on ourselves because um, in the meantime, between the last album and this album, there's now someone who's in charge of the video department of frontiers records and i believe it's the owner's daughter and so i think she just wanted to make her own video um but she's in rome i mean we there's yeah. no way we could have involved her in our video and stuff 
so so we 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 were i mean to be honest we were really miffed that that they they passed on so, so they, you know the whole thing was like our our video has a funkier kind of vibe i mean you can see it but it's a little more it's, homegrown no, i like it yeah we did it on purpose part of it's in yeah. black and white and stuff and 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 their thing was like uh, oh this isn't up to the standards of frontiers 4k yeah you know videos and right. stuff and you know they have a lot of videos that they all look good and stuff but they're you know most of them are metal videos with you know generic fire and dragons and you know <laughs> sorry assholes <laughs> and, you know we're not that we're not those guys you we're know not those so guys. anyway I, I noticed like every day our video gets like a hundred more you know it started at nothing i mean you put it on the the uh, Frontiers site, which is all I wanted them to do is put a link to it. Um, you know, and you instantly get 15, 20 grand, thousand, you know, things. But ours is like 500, 600, 700. Right. Right now there's like 3,000 or something. But um, anyway, that's not to rag on anything, but it, it, it was like, so now you have to find our video. Um, if you put Michael Thompson Band, The Love Goes On, that lyric video will come up and our video will come up. So if you see people in, in the, the little snapshot on the thing, that's ours. Did you guys just film the one video on your own or do you have any others yeah. you filmed at no, the same time? We, bought, we only got, have the one so far, but we're uh, contemplating doing another one where we possibly go into a sound stage and do like three tunes and, uh, you know, and sync it up to the tracks. So people have something to look at, you know. Yeah. Kind of putting out an album with Frontiers, and and mind you, I've dealt with numerous Frontiers artists over the years, and I kind of get how it works. And it's not your traditional model. They're there to help you get the album out and promote right. it a little bit, but there's a, right. there's some work you guys got to put in on your own end, right? Well, yeah, yes. absolutely. And they they've actually hired on a bunch of new people, like an actual promo guy and publicists and i mean we got an email all these people they had added to their thing so i think they're trying to up their record company-ness you know to a to another level which is great yeah in the past they were never big promoters of right. your you know record and of course there was not never any like tour support right right, right. they're growing now they're, they're growing very but small they, window to promote your stuff these right. days yeah right. they're they're kind of the only game in town too for, for that area you know what i mean it, like journey yeah. it journey is on frontier journey john way alan Park. a lot of hip bands are whining toto's been on there I yeah think. toto's most recent album was was distributed by frontiers is that what it is but, yeah. but but journey like like the owner of frontiers is on my facebook and i think he owns a soccer team <laughs> He's all, yeah, it keeps reminding me of Ted Lasso, you know. He's like, <laughs> well, because he always has a soccer uniform on, and he's like funny. got his arms around these soccer guys, and, and he spends his life going around with this soccer team. And, and I heard his family Ted is like, Lasso. you know, incredibly wealthy or something like that. And I, I met him once, he was in LA. Nice guy, Serafina Therapy. But, um, uh, yeah, so he's, uh, I, I heard a rumor they were mafia. Really? Oh, maybe, maybe. Could be. I heard, you know, Luca Luca said that, you know, well, he has his, his own problems with them. <laughs> but but that's why I was surprised that they did Toto did have Frontiers distribute their last album because yeah. as far as the machinery of having a record company where you can have your record come out in Japan and, and everywhere, yeah. they've got it. And yeah. who else is there? You know? I mean there's you know, especially for that kind of music. Yeah, I was looking on their site the other day, and it's yeah. like they've got a million. It's not a million, but they have a re, they have a lot of artists. Yeah, and I think their whole sort of business plan was like, there's all these groups. Most of them are has-beens, but they still have followings. You know, the God knows all the. Warrant and Slaughter and you know all these yeah, bands right. from, from Striper, like, yeah, yeah, Striper and from and Dawkins. so like you, right. you give these bands these small record deals where you're totally gonna 
do better than break even. They have their following. Could be a couple of thousand, two, three thousand people. They buy the albums at twenty dollars, you know, twenty five dollars or whatever, and um, you make a pretty yeah nice thing. I think that's what their thing was, and then they start start signing like, you know, White Snake and you know bigger groups, and they would pay them, they would give them like, hundred and fifty or two hundred grand and stuff. Yeah, but everyone else, I mean, this is just between us and the rest of the world, you know, but <laughs> yeah, really. then everyone else gets these small record deals that, with, you know, if you have your own studio, you, you can pull it off, but you don't really make any money at all. Right. So I kind of decided I want my music to get out there. That's more important than me, you know, pocketing 10 grand or something like that. So that's why we did all this. So people can go, so they can hear our music and hopefully get joy from it and get inspired or whatever, you know. And I guess it came out in Japan because my number one Japanese fan put it on Facebook, a picture of her copy that she finally got. So it's out there. Has this been your number one Japanese fan since the first album? Yes. It, it's funny, like in 93, by 94, I went to Japan for the first time with uh, this producer, David Foster. They were having a thing called a Super Producers uh, mm -hmm. concert. So we did four nights at the Budokan, then we went to Osaka and did four nights at, at the thing. And it was it was David and a bunch of acts, Celine Dion and stuff, people he had produced. Mm -hmm. um, and when I got back to my hotel after doing one of the shows, I wasn't hip to the Japanese thing of like, you know, that there could be people waiting, that, that there's people that have followed your career and stuff and they're waiting in the lobby and they have the, you know, she, like this girl Yukiko was there with, with like a couple of LPs and then a stack of CDs, stuff I had played on, you know, and the silver magic marker and stuff. Yeah. And, and she must have been like, Oh man, she must have been like 16 or 17 or something like that. Just standing, you know, you get back to the hotel and, and it's been like, sometimes it's been like hours since the end of the concert. And these people are just standing there patiently waiting for you to sign the thing. It, it does your heart a lot of good that, that there are people that care about their music that much, you know? I mean, the Japanese fans are really... They, they really do care and they stick with you through the years. You know, I think they're interested in, I, I think that's why a lot of people were interested in Moon and I, you know, teaming up again after all this time. Are you guys going to be able to do any live performances as a result of this new album? We sure would like to. I mean, it'd have to sort of be a, I don't know, um, a few years ago, Frontiers was having this thing called the Frontiers Fest that um, I actually went over and played with a band. And, and it was great. It was fantastic because after all these years of putting out records and sort of being a little name with that AOR crowd over in Europe and stuff, um, I got to actually meet these people. And, uh, you know, they're not kids, the people that have followed the, you know, the melodic rock AOR thing. They're but they're real passionate about the music and and uh it, it really did me good to meet meet these people and and like you know over there you can drive from one country to another so there's this one guy you know he drove all the way from the netherlands 10 hours to hear this song wasteland all right. on our album all right and good cat smart guy you know it's just fun. loved his music and loved that song there was another guy from greece that drove from greece and and, and so it was like it was kind of like a rock and roll fantasy to me, totally like a Twilight Zone thing. Cause like, you know, the curtain comes up and this crowd is chanting MTV. And <laughs> so I tell people I got to be a rock star. I mean, truly be a rock star for one night, mm -hmm. for one set. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, to, to feel that feeling is, you know. And I wasn't there, but I would love to have the opportunity to roll out there in my trusty wheelchair. Yeah. And throw down. So maybe something <laughs> like that, if that happened again, if they started doing That'd be that great. Again, we could we do could, that. We could make it happen. Yeah. But it uh, it was fun to actually see the faces and, you know, meet some of the people. And, and it, 
it's a very, you know, it's a small niche, but it's a very, you know, strong niche as far as like their love of the music and stuff. So whereas you can't take the show on the road, do you continue writing for the next one? Yeah, for sure. We already got We're one too. Got one going on. Yeah. Um, and that's something I we all would very much like to do is uh, is do another album. Oh yeah, absolutely. Keep the flow going. That's you know? that's really where we're mainly live. I'd say that's where we're going to be living. Yeah, making the music, recording it, and 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 having it come out that way. If we get the chance to perform it, that'd be an extra bonus. Yeah, I think gonna, this is where we live, right, guys? Yeah, I Go think. I think it's. I think it would be nice, like Michael was saying, to get together on the soundstage and and do, you know, a, three songs like Mike was saying. In Selma, we have. Um, I'm not. You've heard the record, and uh, we mm-hmm. have a couple of songs that we really are passionate about. Um, uh, one is called uh, "Whispers and Dreams," and then the other one's called "War of the Hearts," that we feel are very strong and we would like for our audience out there to hear them yeah definitely yeah i think we'll definitely do that yeah that'd be awesome yeah, yeah. so i think that, that might be that might be the maybe at the beginning of perhaps us doing something live right that would be nice if that happens are you guys also studio musicians as well in addition to being a part of this band together those guys, well, Michael is. Well, I, you know, I, I'm both of you guys. Yeah, I mean, no. Tom, Tom's gotten to a little like you bit. Said, he, for a songwriter band guy, he's got to play on some records. The biggest being that that big Scorpions album that he played bass on all the tunes. But my thing was like in high school. Of course, mm-hmm. I was going. You know, I went. I went to Woodstock. If you can believe that. Yeah, <laughs> Fifteen years old, yeah. I grew up in New York, you know, Long Island. Wow. I mean, I'm I in LA, that, and right. when you tell people in LA, I was at Woodstock. It's like you were at Woodstock. Right. You were at Woodstock. But if we were, right. oh man, if we were in New York, there's a pretty good chance someone your age, yeah, they were there too. Yeah, right. It was five hundred thousand yeah. people there. You know, unbelievable. But anyway, you know, like like I was saying before, my my dream was to be a rock star. But it was also once I started listening. Um, to the records uh, and noticing that studio musicians were um, on these different records. I started buying records just because so-and-so played on it and stuff. And, and so I, and then I also got a chance to record very early on. We had a manager in this band I was in when I was a teenager who worked for RCA who got us time in their big studio in New York city, like the real thing. Right. Wow. And um I just love the whole idea of recording. Whereas it's a lot of band guys, you know, the red light goes on and it kind of like they aren't that comfortable with it and stuff. But I just love the thing of recording. So all that to say, I had the, the dream to actually maybe more so than being a rock star. I had the dream of coming to L.A. and being a session guy, a guy that gets to play on the records and stuff. And, Which um, you did, baby time. time. After like taking pretty much the '80s to break in, I did get to enjoy like a nice run of. I mean, when yeah. I hooked up with David Foster in, yeah. in 1990, the first song I played on with him was uh, Celine Dion, "The Power of Love." Yeah, um, man. and it was number one for 11 weeks, and man. from there on, it was just every other week I was going up to his house in Malibu and playing on a tune and. A month later, you'd hear it on a radio, on the radio, and a lot of them became number one hits. I, I have this video that my daughter-in-law made of, of kind of like the hits that I played on and stuff. So I didn't even get impressed by that. It was like, did I really do that? But you know, that's what happened. I saw that. That's amazing. Well, that, that's cool. what happens when you when you become the guy for a very busy, successful yeah, producer. That's it's it. like. They're getting what they want from you, mm-hmm. so they're not going to go to that guy and that guy and that guy. And so through working with David Foster, then Babyface started hearing my stuff, and right. he wanted me to play on his records. So for five or six years, I played on all his stuff. And then Mutt Lang, Killer. who no one ever gets to meet or do anything with, right. 
was also hearing me on David Foster Records. And, you know, I'll never forget the time I came home and put on the answering machine. Hi, Michael. Uh, this is Mutt, Mutt Lang. Um, I wonder if, if you'd be interested in working on my wife's album with me. Like, <laughs> why? You know, <laughs> somewhere in my house, that was back when the answering machines yeah. had the little cassette. Right? Yeah. <laughs> somewhere it. in my house, is that still little, got it. Yeah, the, the little cassette, yeah, you know. Right. Um, and so I went and spent 18 days working with my hero, you know, Mutt wow. Lang, who not very many people get to even see him much less work with him and he was just a great gentlemanly nice guy talked about everything in the world he wasn't like a weird reclusive guy he just doesn't like to have his picture taken he's, right. he's that guy you know but we had some great discussions he he loves talking and, and said, stuff and he liked the curtain shit like, oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. no, no he said after that like, well, you know, they start rocker guys. Well, when I'm playing on on tunes, I'm always looking to, for the beauty, the beauty. And trying to play a, a pretty part, especially yeah, when exactly. it's a chick singer, right? Yeah, of course, Shania Twain. And so I played all this stuff and all these days and stuff. And he yeah. said, "So, so you basically just play pretty shit, right? <laughs> pretty shit." I went, right. "Yeah, <laughs> cool. Yeah, I'm that guy." But um, no, it, it was it was an incredible experience for me and and, um uh you know and oh the the other really cool thing about that story is um this first studio we we were working in 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 italy um there was a couch right behind me he'd be sitting on it and he had one of my guitars and he'd be playing a little part and i'm going okay that's probably going to be my next part he wants me Mm -hmm. to play right it's cool and stuff in it but he'd get a call he'd call someone and you hear him chatting with someone you think I wonder if he's talking to or something like that. And so like the last day he's on the couch and um I hear him going, Yeah, he's really as good as he said he he was and he's made my demos sound like records. And you know, I knew he was oh, talking about me. Really awesome. And I'm like, man, I wonder who he's talking that's to right, himself. Right. And so he got off Did the phone know? and he said, um, Oh, that was Brian, uh, Brian Adams. Brian Adams. Oh, yeah. he, he was actually the one that, that recommended you. Oh, that's and I'm oh, like, wow. oh my God, now I can die. And yeah, you know, because right. Brian Adams was like, Fuck yeah, you know, and, and I had done one one session with Brian with David Foster, a, a duet he did with Barbara Streisand mm. called "I Finally Found Someone." Right? Yeah. And I remember him getting out his. I don't think they even had iPod, the iPads then, but he got out his phone. He said, I got to get your number. Mutt would love you, right? Oh, yeah. And um, and so, like, her next album, which I think was Come On Up, mm-hmm. came and went. And I didn't get the Mutt call, you know? Right. I'm like, well, that's cool that he took my number, but right. I'll probably never get called by Mutt. Like, six years went oh, by, God. and then I get that call. So that's my Mutt line <laughs> story. I love it. <laughs> Not that many people have Mutt Lang stories. That's oh. right. That's special. I got you, back. You and Def Leppard. Yeah, yeah. In the cars, Heartbeat City. I got back, right and, and Richard Marks called me up and he said, "I need Mutt stories." Yeah, right. <laughs> now, I, I didn't check the Frontier shop to to confirm this at all, but is the Love Goes On available on vinyl with the whole resurgence of vinyl coming? Yeah. Uh, they designed the artwork for vinyl, so I know they semi have a plan to release it. I don't know what their deal is, whether they release the CD and see how it sells and then put out the vinyl. I kind of hoped it was coming out together, and so did a bunch of other people that were looking forward to that. So we all put in our orders for like, yeah, send me three vinyl records right. and stuff. And and like, well, at this time, we're not... We're not pressing it up, so I don't know. I hope they do. That would be cool. That would be great. But they had the whole double album artwork and everything that they sent us to get approved and stuff. But so that's determined by. Possibly, I don't know. I didn't. Know I didn't ask what, what determines the. I know they're getting into the vinyl thing, and, and I think if it does well at all, yeah. Or maybe six months later they put it vinyl, out. Vinyl uh, outsold CDs last year, George. Right? Did you hear about? I think I think that with Frontiers they're they're gapping them six months apart because I think you got y'all. There's only so many vinyl plants right now, and everybody's yeah. trying to catch up. Yeah, that's uh, a good good 
thought, George. <laughs> if you guys got a little more time, I'd like to ask you about the first album uh, that you did together uh, back in 1989. Uh, how long? It's considered a legendary album in the AOR melodic rock scene, and it's coming up on its 35th right. anniversary. Oh, God, it's know. so funny how like you know like i said we weren't even aware we just did it and i gotta say all due respect to to our manager that we had because we wouldn't have gotten the no. deal that we got without him without um yeah. it was one of those double-edged swords it was like we were recording our demos at the same studio that he had a band called Great White that he met. He did well. And they were just another, you know, nobody's band. Mm -hmm. The studio's called Total Access mm -hmm. in Donna Beach. And they were cutting their demos down there. We were cutting our demos down there. And, and Alan, you know, Dawkins did a couple of his mm -hmm. albums there and stuff. It was a pretty busy little hub. Yeah. Um, but uh, Alan, through working down at that studio, was aware of our demos and really liked our tunes and stuff. So that was the good news, you know. This guy loves your music. You know, he'd taken me out to lunch a couple of times and, and he's a real gentlemanly <laughs> English yeah. cat, you know. And and, yeah. and so uh, his wife was Tom Zutat's secretary at Geffen. Tom Zutat is the guy right. who signed Guns N' Roses. Right. Right, and right. so when he, he signed Guns N' Roses, they had some woman managing them who was the first one to go. Mm -hmm. She was like a Sunset Boulevard booker manager kind of <laughs> yeah. thing. She was oh, like man. out of there. And so, right. you know, Guns N' Roses, had, they had no say in it. It's just Tom Sutek made Alan Niven their manager. So all of a sudden... He was Guns N' Roses manager, and, and they, they were, were the biggest up. thing yeah, in the world. Right, right. And uh, so that that just helped us. But the downside of that was uh, Alan, you know, he got us the record deal, but he wanted to produce it. And, you know, he, he wouldn't get bad ideas and stuff, but but he thought he was Mutt Lang or something. Yeah. And, and he just... <laughs> He wasn't, and, yeah. and he also framed it in a way of like, you know, threatening to, like, for instance, we wrote a tune yeah. called Fade Into Black. Oh, yeah. And we were like really jazzed about the tune. Yeah. And we really liked the title. That was one of the coolest yeah, things about it. it, right? Yeah. And so we make a little demo yeah. and bring it into the, to the session. And he goes, we shan't release this song as is. Far too negative. I'm like yeah, nah, shit, right? <laughs> yeah right. I said, give me a minute. I'll yeah. get you know, I'll get it right. So he time. like leaves the room, and he comes back. In I've got it. And he goes, I've got it, baby. Come back, baby. Come back. Oh, uh, where have I heard that before? Oh, you know, it wasn't a very, wasn't a very big <laughs> song, right? So he took fade into black, yeah, turned it into baby come back, and, and so there was a bunch of stuff like that where he changed lyrics to songs and. And, and he just wanted to be like involved with every aspect, but instead of like being a fifth of it or whatever, he he kind of had the iron fisted thing. Like um, this whole thing's gonna go away. You don't, you don't do get, it. Yeah, yeah like if you didn't call it baby come back. Yeah, the whole deal was. Gonna go he kind of forced this into. You know, it. I don't want to talk bad about it because, no, like, like no. I said, we wouldn't have gotten that deal. Yeah. we wouldn't be having this interview right now if it wasn't oh, it wasn't for Alan. No, totally yeah. for Alan. Yeah, and he did get good ideas. Yeah, but one like one of his ideas was really wacky. We had our our single was this song "Give Love a Chance," right? That our friend Jeff Paris wrote, and they it was like a foreigner kind of yeah thing. And um, it was Alan's idea to have a four minute guitar solo at the end of it. Yeah, like, right. Cause, well, because Gary Moore had done this. Oh, that's right. Uh, walkways. Yeah, thing, yeah, right? yeah. That's and where everyone loves came. it. I love Gary. Right, Moore, so. of course. And so that was Alan's idea, yeah, production yeah. idea. But I tell you, I like doing guitar solos, but it, it's rough to like four minutes. To, well, to make it interesting, make for four it minutes. Yeah, and, I remember I did the first, you know, version and punched in and stuff, and he's like. This isn't doing anything for me. Oh, it, it was weird because I mean, you end up learning from those things, yeah, and so I ended up redoing the whole thing. And it did have more passion. It did have more of a 
a thing. Yeah, yeah, but right. I wouldn't have in I would have in no way ever done a solo that long. Never. So it's like there's the song that was all and then the out yeah. is longer than the song. Right. But anyway, that's another video that is now on YouTube, the video for right. Give Love a Chance. Right. Which right. was yeah, go ahead. Which was done by the uh -huh. this guy Nigel Dick. Who oh yeah. Made all of Guns N' Roses uh -huh. videos. Yeah. And it was a pro video. It must have cost a hundred grand oh, or yeah. something like that. Definitely. Um but everyone at Geffen supposedly you have your hair. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone at Geffen, <laughs> we, we didn't know this because Moon and I were kept from even going to the label, but um, they didn't like our manager's style either because he would just walk in there and go, well, I want this, this, this. He was pompous. I mean, he was, he was a Guns N' Roses manager. He was a pompous, yeah, pompous kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. And so... We're telling you stuff we've never told. No, of course, but well, our friends and stuff. But yeah. but um, so anyway, it was it was a double edged sword. So after the album, Moon and I just kind of looked at each other and said, "We don't want to work. We don't want to do this again." No, no, and we enjoyed doing the tunes and and the music had had a lot of passion and and life to it. But the idea of being produced by like in that style. Because Great White were like his kids. Yeah, right. He'd just tell them what to do. And he, and he wrote all the lyrics, you know, baby, baby, let me rock your socks off all night long. Yeah, I, mean, right. that kind of, I didn't yeah. know that. He Alan, wrote the lyrics. Yeah. Well, with uh, Jack or whatever, I don't know. Alan but, was really impressed and so, himself. So he, <laughs> he, he thought he would treat us I love same, you, yeah, Alan. You know, yeah, like, right. I love you, Alan. Because anyway. it was actually just Moon and I at yeah, that point. Right. Um, we we had had a working band, but uh, sorry, Alan, the drummer and bass player hated Alan so no, they, just they quit the band. But Moon and I hung in there, and it's yeah. like, okay, you got a deal for us, man. exactly. Like, okay, that's funny. So that that's the kind of stuff you run into in this business yeah. all night long, you know. That's so I, I think that's interesting because a lot of people hold this album in high regard but what you're telling me is it's not really the album you wanted to make the music is the music is although um it's funny like you know for four or five years we had been trying to get a record and writing different tunes and cutting different demos but then when it came time to like we actually had a deal we didn't have enough tunes i think we had like eight songs and we needed 11 or you know um, so I actually, at that point, had been working with a couple of, you know, hit oh. songwriters and, and Mark uh, Spiro. yeah, this one guy named Mark Spiro, um, I had been playing on his tunes and I thought, wow, this guy's a good songwriter. And he was sort of, he became a guy that was like, uh, co-writing with, you know, Bad English and, and, uh, you know, Mike Reno from Loverboy yeah. and, and uh, John Waite and, and, and during that period. And so yeah. he was he was like this really good guy to write a melodic rock song with. And, and so he and I wrote the song Can't Miss, which was our little... And Wasteland. Yeah, and Wasteland. And um, so, so the tunes came together and yeah. then like, you know, Moon and I wrote that song Fade Into Black and right. everything, Baby Come Back. And, and so <laughs> yeah, the, right. the, the, batch, the batch of tunes on the record that we weren't looking at, like, wow, these, you know, melodic rock yeah. fans in Europe are going to, like, really hold these tunes up to... We were just glad we had enough songs. Yeah. But, but I like the songs, man. I, I, yeah. I, and, I, and through the years, I like our performances and, you know, we were, we were into stepping up and trying to yeah, I mean, Moon's, like, standard was Steve Perry, who's a friend of Moon's, but, like, his standard for how good his vocal had to be was Steve Perry. Yeah, I was aspiring to kind of that thing. Oh, you were. To, yeah, I, I was. Not that I, I sound mean, like him And at one all. of the songs has, I don't know if you know music, but it has, like, a high C in it, you know? No, can't miss. And yeah. it was like he had to hit that full voice or he wasn't going to be happy. Yeah, know? right. We did it, though. We climbed the mountain. The record, yeah, we felt good about the record. We did. We did, for sure. It, it, it was, uh, 
Yeah, I, I don't want to give the impression that it like that. It was okay. just some of the yeah, stuff we, that went along with it. The, the, the Allen producing. Yeah. Do you, do you own the rights to the record at this juncture? That was the other cool thing Alan did was when we got involved with, uh, I don't know what came first. Alan got our record back from Geffen. He, he yes. gave it and totally with no strings, right? Yeah. We, he gave it to us pretty much. Yeah. He didn't ask for really anything. And he did it for you. And, and because I think I've been injured, that was kind yeah. of oh, yeah. behind that. He, yeah. That was a cool thing. That's he did. awesome. That was so really that awesome. That's hard to do. That that was Alan really at his yeah, it, best. and it had been uh, over ten years, right. you know, since it came out. And so Geffen released the album. That's why um, Frontiers was able to take it as is. And we yeah. added, um, we had had like two songs that were in the can that we didn't put on that first album. Can't let go and um, can't let go uh, and right to be wrong. Right to be wrong. And so then we wrote wheelchair. And, and then we wrote the wrote that wheelchair song, wheelchair. So yeah. the new yeah. had three new songs. Right. And, but um and that's when we got with Frontier. Yeah. Right then. Yeah. So that was great. Both well, versions. Were, both versions yeah. of the album are out of print. So is there any plans to put it back out again? Wow, I, I didn't, I didn't know, know that. that. I didn't yeah. know that's that. news to us, George. Oh, it's certainly not streaming. I can tell you that number one, unless you go on YouTube and somebody's burned it there. But uh, I really don't think it's anywhere for purchase either. You mean you can't go to Frontier Music and order it and buy it from them? Is that... Oh, that's interesting. I thought or any kind of uh, that's interesting. Like, yeah, it yeah. might have cycled yeah. out. It might have cycled out, but uh, I I was not able to get my hands on it right now. Really? Definitely. Yeah. Especially with this new album being right. out, people should be able to go and be able to get both. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. We should look into that. George. Uh, email. Mario. Yeah, let's find out about that. Mario Rizzo. Thank don't, you for that Don't out. take my info as 100% gospel, but... <laughs> should look into it. Absolutely. Yeah, that's awesome. And if we wake up with a horse's head on our bed... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that. I right. didn't say that. <laughs> Well, those are all the questions I have for you today, guys. The new album is The Love Goes On. It's out now. Frontiers Music, great album. You guys should be very proud of it. Very Thank much you so, so much. You're, you're a great guy, man. It was fun doing this with you. And I, I appreciate uh, the stories and learning more yeah. about this album, the old album, and kind of your com camaraderie together. Thank yeah, you, awesome. man. Awesome. Wait, who else can we slam? Yeah, right. Who <laughs> else? No, no. You're great, man. Keep on rocking, Thank brother. you, George. Once again, I want to thank Michael Thompson, Tom Crucier, and Moon Calhoun of the Michael Thompson Band for coming on the Rock is George podcast. Be sure to check out their latest album, The Love Goes On, available now. Head over to your favorite music streaming app. Check out the album. If you like what you hear, buy a physical copy. Support the artist. For all things Michael Thompson Band, head over to their official Facebook page slash Michael Thompson Band. I also want to thank Dustin Hardman of Hardman Promotions and Frontiers Music for making this interview possible. You've been great. I've been George Dion. Discover your next favorite artist on the Rock is George podcast.